Howdy. You're listening to the Think Brasses Podcast, a BCS Habitat for Humanity production. We're dedicated to promoting housing affordability, economic opportunity, and financial resiliency for families in Brazos County. This episode is part of a series of candidate interviews for the two races on the College Station City Council. The election is November 2nd, 2021. And by the way, the College Station City Council races are all at large. So if you're eligible to vote in College Station, you can vote for both races. I'll be honest with you, most people will stay home and let others decide the future of College Station, but we hope you don't. We hope you'll not only listen to the rest of these episodes, but also share this podcast with your friends and your neighbors. Now on to the interview. Mr. Wright, um, we are so thankful that you came to join us on the Think Brazos podcast and actually our very first uh audio and video in-person interview with a candidate for the College Station City Council. So, William Wright, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. So, you're running for place four of the College Station City Council. Um, that's, what, one of two uh, races that are up for decision this November? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And the other one is, I believe, place six, right? I believe so. I've okay. been very focused on my own campaign, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but I believe it is place six. Yes. And you've been in it uh, since right when people were first able to announce that they were signing up, right, to, to run, right? That's yes. July, I guess? Uh, June? Yes. I believe the first day of filing was sometime in... July or June, but I, okay. I was, uh, was getting myself prepared for the idea of running and then okay. went full in. It's been, um, I've had people ask me, it's like, would, like, why are you running now? And right. It felt like I came out of nowhere, but the truth is that I've been trying to lay the groundwork for years now, doing okay. different things with the city, Got through different it. committees that I'm on. So, yeah, so your background, this isn't your first, um, I guess not campaign, but this isn't your first attempt at a public service position with the city of College Station. You've been on committees, right? Sure. Yes. So I'm currently on the Historic Preservation Committee, uh, which the the big goal of that committee is to promote the history of College Station, any historic, right. uh, anything historical, really. But the, the main focus and the main push we do is historical home markers, which um, – Certain homes are available for after they've been built for 50 years. Yeah. If they have historic reasons behind them. And then another committee I'm on is planning and zoning, which is a oh, big one. Yeah. Uh, for the city of College Station where, you know, we, we look at planning and zoning. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, with the planning and zoning, it, it kind of seems that there's a pattern here where very often someone who ends up running for city council before that time, they're on the planning and zoning. Is it kind of a, a stepping stone committee of sorts? To- I think so. That's definitely, I was very excited to be appointed to it because I knew it was like, it was a big deal and I was, yeah. I'm very happy to serve. I feel a sense of serv- a civic duty and, um, that was a real big moment for me. I think that it's, it's very attractive to serve on planning and zoning and then city council because you, you get into planning and zoning and you understand the process. You learn the process. You see how it works. You see how city staff interacts with the committee and how they're presenting the information to you. And then your job is just kind of to make sure that you know, it, it goes in line with where you, where you want the city headed. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. planning and zoning, city council, the politics can definitely play a little bit more. When I'm on planning and zoning, I try to, I try my best to keep it like, is this within the structure of planning and zoning? I think that serves the committee the best. Okay. Very cool. And you've been on that since, uh, January? Or since yeah? January, yeah. Okay. And so the, the current city council, they take a vote to appoint people to that or how does that work? Yes. I believe in closed session, they look over the applications and then they appoint those votes. Okay. Well, back to the election, which is coming up 
on November 2nd, I believe. Um, I'm sure you're aware of this already, but one of the interesting things about your candidacy, as well as uh, several people running for College Station City Council this go-around, is the significant age difference between those on the city council currently and um, and you you are thirty. I'll old? be thirty three before the election. So, so you're 32, I'm thirty two going now. On 33. <laughs> going on thirty three. Going on thirty three. So with the exception of I believe the incumbent for place four. I mean we're talking most of these folks are retirement age at least. You know old enough to be your parent or even uh, I guess in some case grandparent. Some I don't want to be mean here, enough, but yeah. there's a significant age difference yes. that's been pointed out quite a bit. But at the same time. These folks, I mean, have you ever, I'm sure you've seen some of these city council meetings. Mm-hmm. They can go from four mm-hmm. to like 10 or 11. Yep. I don't know what's in their coffee, but it must be really good <laughs> coffee because they, I mean, they go forever. Do you think you can hang with these Absolutely. retirement age, but incredibly, um, Spry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spry, yeah. Uh, folks here. Oh, uh, you yeah. think you can do that? I think I can. Absolutely. Um, it's riveting, and I think that's that's it. I I have this this deep interest in my blood. It's kind of like one of those things where you know you watch a movie that you that you're really into, and yeah. it could be four hours, but it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, that's right. city council in me. Like I, really? I'm like, yeah, I can sit there and watch it. Just this last meeting, which um, would have been two Thursdays or two weeks from this Thursday. It went till like 11 p.m. and right. I watched all of it, and it was just fascinating. I have. Um, I have a deep interest in what the citizens think, and a lot of that was what the citizens felt about some changes that were maybe coming yeah. in the neighborhood, and they were excited to talk about it. And that gets me pumped up. And if I'm elected, that's my job is to listen right. to them. So it's like, no, I, I yep. So the interesting thing about it, though, is um, I know Elizabeth Kuna, who you're running against, mm-hmm. actually, um, she has a, a normal job, mm-hmm. you know, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you work for a local company here, mm-hmm. probably nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of my curiosity there is, is, uh, if you start getting some of these younger folks, um, you know, into the council, they've got a daytime job. They too. do. I'm yeah. not saying that all the incumbents don't. I'm just saying right. that some, quite a few of them are retired and, and they can devote all this energy. It is true. It. it is true. And I think the pressures would be different, like, um, sure. for different workshops and whatnot, you're going to have to take off full days. I know like the city manager, Brian Woods, he's, he's taking council, I believe on kind of like a field trip to kind of see some stuff in Houston. And you know, those days will happen. And I, I have the time set aside the vacation days and I, I, I'm ready to sacrifice my personal vacation days for the benefit of the city and the citizens. So it's like I, going into that, I was well aware, like this is going to be a time commitment and I, sure. I have the resources behind me to allocate towards that. Okay. So let's hear a little bit more about, who William Wright is. A little bit about your background. Um, I, I know we met last week and talked some about this, but I'd just like to hear a little bit more about um, who you are personally and really the, the motivations for running. Sure. So I'm William Wright. <laughs> I'm running for College Station Place 4. Um, lived in College Station my entire life. I wasn't born here, but I uh, came here very young. And I, I came up through the school system, went to South Knoll and Oakwood and A&M Sonny Middle School and then A&M Sonny High School and graduated from there and then stuck around and went to A&M. Uh, I'm an Aggie, class of 2011. I met my wife there and uh, we had a son, got, well, got married, had a son and decided to settle down here. And Great. so um, I think call station sort of in my veins. I've always had a, a real deep 
connection to the city. I, I truly love the city. Um, it was probably coming up through the city and going to the various parks events, Christmas in the park or doing things with my dad through the city, just all sorts of different little things. Um, so at some point in my life around 2011, when I started mm-hmm. to really start to focus back on city politics and things like sure. that, um, I, I had, I, I had a, a feeling that I wanted to give back. And so I truly think of this as a, a, a sense of civic duty. I feel like I'm giving back to a city that's given me so much. I, I think Call Station is a very unique city. I like to describe it as like not, you know, Reno is considered the biggest little city in the world, but sure. I think Call Station is very close to that in terms of what it offers and what you can do. Uh, within the, the 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 not very big scope and landmass that sure. it actually is, and I tell people it's like there's no, there's only so many cities that you can like see a Broadway show and then be home in ten minutes, or yeah. see see you know the Prime Minister of England speak and be home in ten minutes. So I, ha- I have a lot of love for the city, and I'm just ready to give that love back. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, you know, after studying the city and living mm-hmm. in it for so many, you have to probably understand that that it does have issues like any other city and yep. and one of the big things obviously that habitat for humanity and builders think about a lot is housing yes and the issues of housing in this community and we wanted to hear your thoughts a little bit more um and one of them is um you and your wife uh y'all own or you rent we rent you rent yes we like actually a house or no it's a, it's a duplex in a little duplex community um we love it Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality was that when we were starting out, we were two students with student loans and right. a young son and we couldn't afford call station. And at that time, the houses we were looking at were $150,000. Those homes now are two twenty. Like right. they've appreciated since we were looking about a decade ago, which happens. But right. I know from my personal experience, like we still don't own a home mm-hmm. and just about everybody that I know forgive me if I'm forgetting anyone that I went to high school with, graduated from here, uh, they don't own homes in College Station either. And so it's very interesting now. Wow. I think there's a generational shift to where it's it's more accepted to rent. It's more accepted sure. to live in apartments. And I think that's definitely part of it. But it's also, you know, an access. I, I don't think that um, for some of the salaries you can get in College Station and starting out, that those homes are immediately available for you. Yeah, so... It sounds like what you're saying is that there are two issues is that one price points mm-hmm. are too high. But then the second thing is that the, the debt, you know, that student loans or just generally the, the salary that these starting families have. Right. And, and we hear a lot of, um, even on the college station city council talking about starter homes and starter mm-hmm. homes. But, uh, you know, you and I both know that a lot of times those starter home price points are still way above what you would <laughs> typically see. Yeah. Um, to us, um, you know, the way we look at it, this is this is a big problem because you've mm-hmm. got a quote more affordable city right to your north, mm-hmm. where unfortunately a lot of these folks have to live or rent an apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any ideas about what College Station could do about this? Because I think we both agree that it's a really good idea to have young families in your city starting out, right? That can afford to live there. Yeah, exactly. I think it, the, there's so many approaches to it, but I think it's it's going to be a bunch of little changes, and I think it needs to start with you know home prices won't drop immediately, but getting some of those in, investor buys out to where it sort of okay. escalates the price is going to help okay. uh, to level out some of those neighborhoods. Okay. Additionally, I. I want to, when I'm 
if I'm elected to city council, I want to talk to economic, economic development, excuse me, and just kind of see like, how are we selling the city to businesses that are entry level? That when you start, you're going to make a, a salary right off the bat. I know the company that I work, work for hires mm-hmm. high school graduates at a starting salary. Oh, wow. And it's more companies like that coming into college station that gives a little bit more money to the people that are living here. Maybe the people that are graduating from Consol or College Station or even, you know, Brian or Rudder, those people right. can have jobs immediately. And it's not immediately into sort of a, a service industry. Which yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's going to be hard to buy homes here. And I think when you have like sort of a, a multifaceted approach to it, it's going to help put those costs down. And it's, you know, it, College Station is expensive to live in. It's a great city to live in. And I think you get your bang for your buck, mm-hmm. but when you don't have a lot of young families to sort of foster the next generation, that's where it's just going to start getting interesting. And I, every year there's thousands of graduates here that I believe would want to stay. We just don't have the businesses yet to offer that to them. And I think that's really the next step. It really is a two pronged approach. Get businesses so that we can have more housing. So the first prong, uh, as you were talking about getting the investors out, um, what are some strategies that you can think of more specifically that maybe have already been done or tried or that you have ideas for in the future? How do you do that? Sure. So, you know, I, I think that to clarify, not to get investors out completely, investing is important. Mm-hmm. I want a lot of smart economic development. I think it just depends on where we're looking. Okay. Um, I, on plan and zoning, I was, I was able to vote in favor of the restricted occupancy or occupancy ordinance, the RU, the RU. as it was, mm-hmm. uh, because I felt like that was a good tool that homeowners and established neighborhoods could use to try to just kind of curtail some of the changes that were happening there. Okay. So far it hasn't been adopted in any of the college station, uh, neighborhoods, but right. it's there if they need it. And I think that they could, use that. Now all of those properties there were grandfathered in, but it's sort of right now for better or worse, a paper tiger that might scare off someone in the future. Okay. Right. So I think that's a way to start because those neighborhoods also funnel into our schools. And so I think it's important to keep those neighborhoods intact. Whereas I think there's smart development everywhere. I think the midtown area is good, like a good use of land. I know mm-hmm. that recently we saw on planning and zoning, there was sort of a not run down, but definitely an area that needed to be revitalized. And so one of the things that I've talked about with some people is we need to revitalize areas, Mm -hmm. you know, not tear down, rebuild into something that's definitely going to price out a lot of families. Like revitalize, not a sort of gentrification either. It's Mm -hmm. revitalization so that we can keep, you know, certain families that can afford those places there. It can help build the density of the into the city. And mm-hmm. so when you build up on a single piece of land, you can actually get more taxes too right. from that single place of density. And that helps because homes are great. I would like to own a home one day, but it doesn't bring in as much tax revenue as something that's a little bit more dense. Right. So it's highlighting those areas and knowing where that smart growth should exist mm-hmm. and where the infrastructure is to support it. I just don't think in certain neighborhoods that the infrastructure is there to support that. So I think if I'm reading between the lines, what you're talking about is you're supportive of, of the restricted occupancy overlay in certain areas, but you're supportive of greater density and multifamily in areas, I assume, closer to the core, closer to campus, things definitely. like that. Yeah, okay. I, de- I definitely feel that way because it's just what I want to bring to council and what we've kind of talked about, I've talked about yeah. people is that, you know, I'm, I'm young right now or yeah, I'm young right now and, uh, I, I want a 30 year plan because I'm still going to be here in college station in 30 years. My son will be, you know, in 30 years, my son will be 40. So he hopefully will be living here. Sure. I, I think he likes the city a lot too. And so I want to, 
put these important changes and I want to be part of these important changes now that in 30 years it's like that was the right decision. Yeah. It, it's not going to be an easy decision ever, especially, mm-hmm. but I think when you can highlight areas that need revitalization and sometimes that is more density for a changing mm-hmm. population, uh, it'll pay off in 30 years. So let's think about um, one outlier to that kind of a plan would be, for example, the South Side neighborhood, mm-hmm. which has fought many times over. Um, fought this this concept, you know, where it's right up next across from campus. Mm-hmm. Um, not to put you out on a limb, but mm-hmm. do you have any opinions on on that? Because if you're talking about density in the core, mm-hmm. and then protecting the more suburban lifestyle on the edges, um, where does Southside fit into this? Yeah, I think it's historic. At the exactly, Southside. What do you one do? Of, exactly, Southside's one of my favorite neighborhoods. I, sure. I love it. I love the way it looks, and I think that they've done a great job protecting themselves. And I think that I would point to a lot of the other SEC towns which we compare ourselves to, and they have historic home districts right next to the university. So I think there is an exception to that, okay. and I believe it is that Southside area. I think we should protect that. We'd like to take a minute to thank the Habitat Restore for furnishing the studio and let you know that everything, and I mean everything, in the video version of this podcast is currently for sale. Except the politicians, of course. If you haven't checked out our Restore, you definitely should. The Habitat for Humanity Restore is the Brazos Valley's premier resale shop where the proceeds of every piece of furniture or decor donated to us go on to help fund building decent, affordable, and sustainable homes for families right here in our community. Here you can find everything from the ordinary to the extraordinary to the downright strange. Seriously, we've had a stuffed coyote donated, which sold surprisingly fast. Currently, we have a great collection of home furniture, including a china cabinet and an antique Singer brand sewing machine. I might have to buy that one. I'm telling you, before you pay full price for home decor, check out Habitat Restore. I'll put the Restore links in the show notes for you. All right, back to the interview. Uh, If you don't mind, let's change um, subject to something else that's getting a lot of airtime as we come closer to the election, and that is the charter amendments. So Mm -hmm. there are a couple of them coming up for a vote. I know that you won't actually have any, because it's going to the people at this point. Mm -hmm. Were you to be elected in November, the decision to put it to the people has already been made. But we're just curious um, to hear your thoughts, particularly on um, one point, um, which is about the... um, Changing the election year mm-hmm. from the even to odd, I believe that's what it is. It's from, for example, in, in 2020, there was a vote, um, and instead of 2020, 2024, right. it's 2021, 2025. Right. And I've heard both sides of the argument, um, but would like to hear, you know, were you what were your thoughts? Were you supportive of something like that? You know, luckily, I get to run an audio election, and it'll yeah. be over, so I'll tell it then, no. Because, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um it's up, it's up for a vote and I think that's the right way to do it. I think the citizens should decide that because to me, the two sides are, I understand the more informed voter. I do. I also think that there's not as much engagement as I would like in city politics to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's, um, it's very wishful thinking to think that you have more engaged and not more, you know, not as, as engaged. Mm-hmm. I understand that. It's also a little bit more expensive to do, to move the elections. And so when we're to the odd years, years. and so when we're trying to find, you know, money, we don't want to 
raise taxes on people. We want to try to be as efficient and as, you know, smooth moving government as possible and try to not to spend too much money in places that maybe it's not necessary. I fall, I fall a bit on that side too. I truly see both sides to it. And yeah. so that's why it's like, I'm glad that it's coming up for, for a vote. Just let the people decide because at this point, I think that's the best way to do it. Okay. But let the people decide in an off year that has a little less. <laughs> that's activity. true. That's true. Um, yep. Yeah. No, um, you know, for this podcast and people that, that follow this, we're sponsored by Bryan College Station Habitat. Mm-hmm. And so our fo- focus very much is on uh, particularly low-income families, working families right. that don't have a lot of time for engagement at the local level and really trying to promote more engagement, more voting, things like that. And so, yeah, we are interested to see how something like this um, could affect yeah. the number of people voting. And, uh, and just as an anecdote, I went out there today on the internet. Part of my job is following local politics and 30 minutes trying to find the, um, the actual text of these amendments that were coming up for a vote. Maybe I'm no good at the research, yeah. but it, I had a really hard time finding it. And so I'm imagining a single mom with kids, yep. um, coming home at six o'clock and seeing that she's supposed to vote on these things and not even really knowing. So, you know, I agree with you as far as there are both sides to this, but, you know, we, we are very interested in making sure that there isn't anything that is suppressing or, or causing issues for the votes. We want to see more engagement, not less. Definitely. And I think that you're at yeah. the same place, right? Yeah, I would, no matter what, I would like to see more engagement. Cause I think that there's gonna be six to seven thousand people to vote in this election and that's it. You know, yeah. and that's no. wild mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I, what I like to tell people is, you know, city politics is the one that's gonna matter to you the most day to day. And yeah. so it, it's, it's, Interesting how that typically has the least engagement of state, national, or city politics. It's yeah. City politics, no one seems to care about. So more engagement all around, no right. matter when we're voting. Agreed. So ultimately, um, I think what we and, and the voters, particularly the undecided voters, would like to hear uh, from you is what are one or a couple of the biggest issues you see coming for College Station as a community? Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, – yeah, I think I can point out some, but I want to I want to hear from you because you're the one that's uh, running for office and <laughs> right. might get to help decide some of these things. Right. I think that um well, I think there's College Station has definitely grown over the last decade, exploded really. And so we've been trying to keep up. But now we have a decade of understanding what explosive growth looks like. So I think we're able to look and say, okay, this is how we can plan out like I said for the next 30 years. So the comp, the next 10 comprehensive plan. We just passed through PNZ. We got to look at it. It'll go up to council on October 14th, I believe. Sure. Um, that's a good place to start for the, for the rest of the growth, right? It's to see where those areas, where the city staff thinks that growth will be. So that's important that we stick to that. And we kind of follow that along. Now, another big issue, um, you know, is going to be traffic because we're going to get a lot of people. I don't think call station is necessarily the most walkable place yet. The bus system <laughs> is not a hundred percent there. It's, it's sure. wonderful. The Brazos Valley transit right. exists because sure. when I grew up here, it did not really exist right. in the format that it does now right. where there is like nice, clean buses that look like a bus that'll pick you up. Right. It even comes out to my work all the way out in South call station. Really? It does, yeah. Which is, I actually told someone today, I said, Hey, if you, if you can't get to work, the bus is coming, yeah. you know, and that's an yeah. option for someone. And so making that more of a part of it, it's, it's small things. It's like, let's build actual bus stops that yeah. encourage people to ride the bus. So that could alleviate traffic some, but also with the comp plan, like I was saying there, 
we have a lot in there that this will help with traffic, right? But we talked about planning and zoning and it had been brought up and I totally agree with it is there's not necessarily always a great measure to success, which is in 10 years, how are we going to know that what we did actually right. helped at all? And so I think from my perspective and sort of the private sector, I, my job is quite quality control and finding efficiencies and making sure things are working the way they should. And so when you can kind of bring that mindset to it and you're like, okay, what we're proposing is great, but how are we measuring it to the last 10? Like, did we make any significant changes that helped anything at all? So mild tangent, but really going Hmm. forward, it's just going to be growth and finding that identity and like, what does call station want to be? Are we going to protect our neighborhoods? And we're, are we going to help those neighborhood schools and protect those neighborhoods that funnel into it? Or are we just going to kind of give way to anything, yeah. right? And so it's really going to be just that, and that encompasses a lot. And I think that call station is an attractive place for anybody and anything because we have a lot of very smart people that work here and very passionate people that live in this city. And so it should not be hard to attract businesses that want to hire graduates. It shouldn't be hard to then – get that housing that is desirable, whether or not that's more density because of just changing generations and what's yeah. different. You know, I think in the next 10 years, Post Oak Mall is going to have to, we're going to have to take a hard look at that and figure out sure. what we want to do with that. Mm-hmm. Is it realistic in 2021 or 2031? Is a mall realistic? I'm not sure, but have that plan in place that we can roll with it. Affordable housing. Affordable housing. Yeah. Exactly. In the center of the city too. Yeah. And I, I love that idea. Yeah. I do. And it, you know, and you can build around that and you right. can build an equivalent midtown. Right. Yeah. And I think that's going to work. And I think that's what will happen because like I said, the, it's a generational change. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem living in an apartment. And I think that what that mindset will change a little bit too. Yeah. So it's just preparing for those things. It's looking it's taking that harder look and seeing, yeah. you know, it's really the next 30 years. Well, you mentioned the uh, growth is preparing for the more growth, but is there any consideration in the plan you referenced or in your own mind if one day that growth does stop. Yeah. Because um, usually you don't hear very many people actually talking about planning for that contingency. I definitely think so. I think last year showed us what College Station might look like a bit without the idea of students, which if you take that idea as growth, okay, like you get sure. – you see what that looks like. You see a lot of our local uh, restaurants close, a lot of our local businesses, and those are those are things I care about. I try to buy local as much as possible. I care about the local people and local businesses that we have. Yeah. So – I, my ideas of doing the best we can to attract those sort of businesses that are stable in town, I think that'll help for when that growth, you know, I don't think you can go upward forever. So even right. if it drops off or stabilizes some, I think that having a more diverse, excuse me, diverse economy is going to be really helpful. Okay. Um, there's another uh, council member who recently said um, it was more or less the, the, the concept of a, um, I guess a combined BCS, the idea of a one community is kind of a, a thing of the past. That's, mm-hmm. that's thinking, I, I'm probably not phrasing it exactly correctly, but that seemed to be the concept and that moving forward, it is college station. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, for Brian College Station Habitat for Humanity, just as an example, we have to look at this as a single community. You know, yeah. we see a single workforce, a single housing market, all of that. Um, but we've heard a lot of this sentiment of almost 
politically this mm-hmm. real divergence here between Bryan and College Station. Uh, real quickly, what are your views, if any, about going forward the relations between the sister city to the north sure. and uh, College Station, and where do you go from here? Um, I think that it's it's to our detriment to not try to work with Brian because I think about it from one side of it is I understand the idea of causation and Brian are two things that exist on their own because they're two cities that collect their own property taxes. So they do operate on their own. But I look at it, the idea of our fire department and our police department too, where along the city line or whatever, one of them fills in for the other. If, if something happens sure. in call station and there's a Brian polite, uh, fire department close, they're going to, the Brian fire department, the Brian EMS is going to go help. And that's the sort of idea I think we should have. It's like we're neighbors. And it, I, I think it'd be ridiculous to not want to work with them, not try to see eye to eye because people are going to come. They're going to stay in Brian hotels, but they're going to sure. come to call station restaurants and vice versa. Right. I think that the two cities have a lot to offer each other. Um, but, I don't know. I don't, I don't, like, I remember there was a point in the history of Brian Causation that Brian very much wanted to annex Causation. Right. And so I think, well, I think about that when you ask that question, I'm like, that is long past, obviously. <laughs> obviously, I don't think that would ever happen now. Sure. But, um, I would like, I, when I, when I learned about that when I was in the Citizens Fire Academy, about how Brian and Causation will help each other out, I think that's the mindset going forward. It's okay. just like, there's no reason why we can't help one another out when it's needed. Great. Well, that's good to hear. Well, um, other than that, is there anything else that you want to tell tell the voters? Um, and also, is there um, any way that they can get in touch with you if they need to or otherwise reach out? So I'm giving you your oh. final remark. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, hosting me. Uh, I think Brazos is a great resource for the two, two cities. I think that it is probably a vanguard to more things going forward as these cities grow. Like, like 200,000 people almost between the two, if not more, 250,000. more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that We'll have more podcasts. We'll have more interesting opinions and ways to share them. And I think that really is the future. And so I think to sell myself further, it's just that I've been here my entire life and I intend to stay here my entire life. And I'm at, I'm at a point, not hopefully not the midpoint of my life, but I want, <laughs> I want to see the next 30 years. And I truly think that it begins now. Like short term views. No more. Like, let's let's plan for the future. Let's see what call station is going to be like. Let's see how competitive we're going to be. And uh, I want to help get us there. So I'm William Wright. You know, I'm running for call station place four. You can visit my website at Wright, the number four, WrightForCouncil.org. You can read a little bit more about me. Um, I'd say the last little thing is I'm just about neighborhoods, supporting our neighborhoods, building our businesses. I, like I mentioned before, I love shopping local. Any chance I can get to shop local, I want to support our local businesses right. and the, and the things that they offer. Um, I think that goes a long way towards building a sense of community. The Think Brass's podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Alexa. We'd love to hear from you and what you think of our content. You can send us an email at thinkbrasses at gmail.com or message us through social media. Thanks for listening. And just remember, think local, think brasses.